Welcome, bent riders around the world. My name is Gary Solomon, and you're watching the Laid Back Bike Report. It's a special treat to have you all with us again today on the Laid Back Bike Report. Let me tell you what we got coming up on this amazing show. First of all, we're going to kick it off with Hansa Gala, as usual, with the recumbent news. Uh, Hansa has got some really interesting stuff to talk about. And then our special featured guest uh, this month is Dr. Craig Cornelius. Uh, he is going to talk about uh, different approaches to the tilting trike design. So I think you will enjoy that. We've got uh, the bicycle man, Peter Stoll with us, of course, and he's gonna have a little uh, talk about putting a uh, bent into your car or van or truck and the best ways to transport that, especially trike. Uh, we have uh, Tim Seeger with us again today from our review team. And today he's gonna be talking about the cruise bike S. 40. Um, Nina Paley is with us uh, as always, and she's got a very special video on uh, experience she had with the uh, Green Speed uh, Magnum. It's a new version uh, with E Assist and uh, kind of an unusual combination on that trike. I think you'll enjoy that. And of course, uh, Denny Voorhees will be back with the sports report. We've got a combo sports report today including uh, our pal Mike Mowat, who will give us a report from the HPRA races in Michigan uh, last week. And our own Larry Seidman will, will be with us with a, uh, a couple of reports, uh, Nebraska Senior Games and Steamboat Springs uh, Triathlon. So lots in store today. But before we get started with that, I really want to introduce our crew, the people that make this all possible. Can you pop them up, Larry? Uh, first of all, of course, is Larry Seidman from Colorado Springs, who will be doing the directing with us today. Hi, Larry. Hi, Gary. <laughs> Good. I thought the altitude was getting to you for just a second. <laughs> Out in, uh, in Mississippi, uh, Jackson is our media guy himself. It is Trey Burgoyne. Hi, Trey. Hello, folks. Good Hi. to be here. Good to have you with us. And from the Czech Republic, uh, that news director that I talked about before, it is Hansa Gala. It's great to have you with us, Hansa. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. Okay, yeah. Alfred Station, New York is where you're going to find the bicycle man uh, right there in his shop. It's Peter Stull. Hi, Peter. Hi, how you doing? It's great to have you with us. And Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, is where you're going to find Nina Paley. Nina, behind the mic. How you doing, Nina? Howdy. Good to be here. Great to have you with us. And uh, our sports director, it's uh, Denny Voorhees. And uh, Denny, you've got a lot packed in today. How's it going? Yeah, good. I, uh, my report was right up to the last minute. So we're, we're, we're ready to go. 
Good, good. And uh, not on the crew, but uh, our special guest today is uh, is Dr. Uh, Craig Cornelius. Hello, Craig. We're glad to have you with us, too. Thank you, Gary, for having me on with all these uh, illustrious, uh, laid-back people. It's great to have you. And speaking of illustrious and certainly laid-back, it is uh, it's our good friend uh, Larry Varney. Larry, you want to uh, you want to highlight him? And uh, Larry, uh, as most of the uh, Bent World knows, you've been a little mm -hmm. under the weather lately, and we've all been a little concerned. So it's great to see you. Do you have a few things you want to give an update to folks? Okay. Yeah, I hope you can hear me pretty well. But uh, yeah, I've been uh, in a hospital or a rehab center for almost a month. Hadn't been fun. Uh, I would go into great detail about why I'm here, but that's to uh, give an extra rating to the late-back bike report. Uh, just let us say that uh, very low potassium apparently is not a very good thing. Uh, neither is uh, urinary retention. Anyway, I'm scheduled to go back home tomorrow. Hopefully things will get back more to normal, um, and I'll get back on a bike or a trike, and it's just very good to say hi to everybody and... Uh, I'm looking forward to watching the show. All right. So, uh, Larry, we are so glad that you uh, took the opportunity to join us. We all, of course, uh, wish you the very best. And I know, speak for the entire recumbent community around the world. Uh, please get better as soon as you can. Get back uh, Get back to riding and get back uh, with us on the Laidback Bike Report. You take care, pal. Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right. Um Let's uh, let's move along here and let me tell you about how you can participate in the Laidback Bike Report when it's live like this. Um, the live chat is, is what we use, uh, both on Facebook and on YouTube. So uh, feel free to post uh, any questions you have, make comments. You can chat amongst your uh, fellow bent riders there. It's a community and we encourage you to take advantage of it. Um, Tell us where you're watching from, too, of course. We love to see that, and I'll try to pop some of those uh, up on the screen as we go along. Now, how can you support the Laidback Bike Report? If you like what we do here, uh, please like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You can click the little white eye that's up there. It'll take you to uh, the laidbackbikereport.com uh, website. Find out all kinds uh, of information about our past shows, future shows, and, and more. So do that, and, of course... Uh, one of the best ways is to become a Patreon supporter. Uh, if you go to patreon.com, look up Laidback Bike Report, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. And we always appreciate that. You can see some of our supporters right in some of these pictures here. So, all right, let me tell you about how else we are supported. And it's our wonderful sponsors, some of the best folks in the industry, starting out with TerraCycle. Let's uh, back up to TerraCycle if we can. I know that uh, Trey's having some problems with the slides there. There we go. TerraCycle, makers of exquisite recumbent parts and accessories for your bent. And Trailside Trikes. There we go. A fine recumbent trike shop on the Withlacoochee Trail in Florida and now in Knoxville, Tennessee as well. And Cruise Bike. Cruise Bike is designed for the cyclist who wants to ride farther climb faster, and adventure more. All cruise bikes and frame sets ship free in the USA. And TerraTrike Green Speed, the best in leisure performance, adventure, touring, electric, and portability. 
wherever your adventure leads, Terratrike will take you there. And Greenspeed, where Ian Sims designs, bringing performance through science and engineering. And Laidback Cycles, the top USA dealer for Terratrike and the premier source for Cattrike, Ice, and Greenspeed. We give you the, the freedom to ride. And Recumbent CycleCon. Of course, we've postponed the 2021 Recumbent CycleCon trade show and convention, but please join us on October 8th and 9th, uh, 2022, at the Montgomery County Fairgrounds in Dayton, Ohio. For more info, check out recumbentcyclecon.com. All right, guys, now let's move on to the show where we are going to kick it off with uh, the recumbent news. And no better person to share that with us than Hansa Gala. Larry, let's take a look at the report. Hello, recumbent riders. Uh, here I am once again, Hansa Gala from recumbent.news with a new set of uh, news items from the past month. Uh, the, the first one... Uh, it's an article in New York Times, which is important for the recumbent industry and the recumbent world uh, in general. Uh, an article about component shortages and issues in the logistics and the, the supply chain of bike parts, where uh, Mark Eglund from Catrike describes their issues uh, with, uh, with components. He describes also how they are sitting on on 500 trikes in stock, which uh, are missing just the rear delayer, uh, and uh, which which didn't come from Taiwan, and they are still waiting for it. Um, so, but we all know about the shortages. We all know about the delays. Uh, this is something uh, not. Uh, this is not news, uh, new, uh, anyhow. But the thing that the recumbent industry has been mentioned in a newspaper like the New York, New York Times is an important one, and uh, it was a great promotion for for the market, for the industry, for the recumbent world. The second one is uh, the announcement. Uh, of uh, from General Nichols just a few days ago, he has announced that the Runs bikes uh, will be or has been uh, has been renamed to Phoenix Bikes uh, Phoenix Bike Works. Uh, you can read more information about uh, this topic uh, on recommend.news as well. Uh, where where you can find a link to a new web page of of Phoenix Bike Works, where Gerald describes very well why he has done uh, such a decision, such change, and what uh, that will mean for the current owners of runs, uh, long wheelbase, mostly long wheelbase recumbents, or uh, what that will mean for the future owners. A third news is that Utah Trikes, the very known uh, recumbent trike dealer in Utah, has moved to a new location finally, 
and after their hard work they they all had to do on this task uh, they started to uh, make their videos again so the, the YouTube channel is uh, live again and you can mm, expect uh, their great videos again as well. I would like to mention also free articles from recumbent.news I have published last week, uh, last month, which I think are worth your attention. First of all, it is a double interview with winners of the Sun Trip, the race of solar bikes. Both of them raced in Velomobiles and after one month long race, uh, they finished just with a three hours of difference. What a battle at the end. And I really like the interview. And uh, so you can read it there. Another one, another great one interview is the 10 to 1 uh, interview from my 10 to 1 series with Sylvia Harpern, uh, which uh, who I think is uh, one of the celebrities in the recumbent world. Some people don't like this word celebrity, but she's definitely one of those uh people like to follow very much so you can read the uh, the interview and you can also watch her new videos on her travels by trike uh, youtube channel and uh, last one is uh, an article but it's mostly about a video video showing how Azeb recumbents uh, built a trike for a guy with no arms and just one leg. So no hand controls and a single leg powered trike. An amazing piece which is showing how recumbent trikes, uh, how they can help handicapped people riding and getting a new, new freedom. And uh, last but not least, uh, an information about a recumbent catalog I have prepared on, on the recumbent.news. So this is a worldwide recumbent catalog of bikes and trikes, all cycles, which are in production at the moment. Uh, or I try to have it as comprehensive as possible. So at the moment you can find there 40 brands and around 200 models. I'm still adding a uh, new one uh, as uh, the information comes about some secret brands, let's say, or not so visible. Brands I even haven't heard about yet. So this is very interesting and also challenging for me because this catalog took me about one year to prepare. Uh, you can, as you can see, you can uh, filter by brands or you can filter by categories. Categories are uh, two-wheelers, trikes, quads and velomobiles, of course. On the left side, you can see uh, uh, another, another filtering options. So you can filter by the maximum uh, rider's weight or you can filter by... Uh, type of steering or uh, size of the wheels. So uh, you can play with it a bit. 
there are some models and some brands uh, which uh, have uh, better promotion. Those are brands I have to thank for supporting the recombinant news. So you can find more information, more photos about the particular models and also link to the web page. And then there are some black and white photos uh, of models which um, you can use, you can filter uh, according to the parameters, but uh, there is no link to the web page. You can then just uh, Google it and find the information by yourself, which is not so difficult. I hope there will be more brands helping me uh, keeping the recumbent catalog and keeping the recumbent.news working in the future and supporting the project. So uh, have a great time and bye-bye. Uh, oh, great, great. Uh, we have to talk about the catalog. Um, Hans, I've already, let's see. <laughs> this may be a bridge too far for you. So Ronald Thompson wants to know about a hard copy of the catalog. I don't know who does that these days. Uh, tell us, when is that hard copy going to be appearing in the post office boxes across the world? Well, I, I think never. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost sure. The thing is that it changes so quickly. Uh, you know, I have published it and um, maybe 14 days after the first announcement I did on the uh, in the magazine, the Rens uh, renamed to Phoenix Bikeworks. So this would be already even, it would not be out of the printer and it would be outdated. So, uh, and it is really about um, currently available bikes. I don't have any uh, aim to, to bring old brands, old models, you know, even, or some which didn't make it to production and so, and so on and so on. This, this, People were asking about them. People like to see their own bikes and their own models in the catalog, but they may be 10, 15 years old, and uh, I don't have the power to to keep something like that uh, running. So I, I think even running this, uh, this catalog of currently available models will be a difficult uh, task because I need to update it every year at least and keep it up to date so it makes sense. Absolutely. Um, is there a tandem filter, Joe? Lovato? You can. Uh, you can do a tandem filtering in the trikes and bikes or two wheelers like category. So you can do that. There are some filters. I can imagine uh, having more of them there. Uh, I already uh, think there can be a frame material, let's say, or country of origin or uh, the weight of the model, which is kind of difficult, or the turning circle for trikes where there is no uh, standard in the recumbent industry. So you can find different let's say types of measuring the turning circle which which would which makes it uh, difficult but uh i will try to to add those maybe every year i, I will try to 
add some uh, of the parameters to, to filter. Well, so and there are, uh, and I, I have still two, two things I would like to mention. Sure. One is that uh, some of the filterings are based on, on ranges, not exact parameters or exact values. So, for example, the, the maximum rider's weight, there would be quite some numbers because different brands have different uh, uh, riders' uh, weight limits. So I tried to make it kind of in the ranges so you can it, it's usable in a way. And also, let's say the seat height uh, for two-wheelers is kind of difficult to uh to manage uh, at least for each uh, for each bike because some of the information is not available for, or that information is not available from every manufacturer but at least i have added like three different ranges so you can you can use it and i have uh and i have realized just few hours uh, ago that there are still some very important brands missing, like the Linear or Avenue trikes. So my big apologies to Peter Stahl for that. And I will try to improve that as soon as possible. Well, you can, there you go. You can directly apologize. I was going to bring Peter up anyways. Thank, first of all, Hansa, a wonderful project. I think we all agree. I, I, I know no one really understands all the work that, that goes into something like that. So kudos to you. Uh, you will never recoup uh monetarily what it is uh, for your time to do this and i know it's a, a labor of love for you to to do this so appreciation uh from all of us to you for that um let's uh, one of the other subjects you uh touched on and I, i'm i'm hesitant to go too deeply into this we've talked about it quite a number of times but it's so important uh the new york times article uh, uh, that that uh, interviewed uh, our pal uh, mark egland at, at catrike about shortages in the recumbent triking world. And then kind of that article kind of extended out uh, saying this is affecting so many industries. But uh, as, as far as uh, our audience goes, uh, almost all of us have experienced uh, a lot of these shortages. And uh, Peter, I, I wanted actually to see if we get a quick update from you uh, from a man in the shop uh, at, at this time. Tell us, uh, tell us what you see out there in terms of uh, the supply chain. Is it about the same? Do you anticipate getting better anytime soon from your aspect? Well, I would say at the moment, I mean, we all said, oh, I'm looking forward to 2020 being over and availability coming back, but it's worse this year than last year, and it may not be better next year. Apparently, Shimano has back-ordered two to five years on different components, especially uh, mid-line, low-line price derailers. They're back five years? Wow. But uh, I find my job has changed quite a bit now. I'm spending a lot of time ordering parts. I mean, we... We ordered 100 Avenue trikes in September, and now they're not going to ship. They're not going to have seats for them until October. So that's 13 months later, and then they'll try to find a container, and then they'll try to find space on a boat. And when they do arrive here, they're not going to have tires and tubes and brake calipers and rear derailers and shifters and chains and pedals. Fortunately, last year we built a warehouse, and the warehouse is full of Chains and pedals and tubes. Yeah, it's, there's enough. We got the parts to build them all now, but wow, this is different, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. So, yeah, 
I, I just I just wanted to kind of get your uh, okay. uh, your latest on that. And I know it's a problem. Uh, it sounds like you're in uh, relatively good shape, better than maybe some others. But the point well, that's being, not a, that's not a blue screen behind us. That's right, our showroom blue room today. Right. <laughs> uh, the, the point being, and it, it's the point of the New York Times article, is yeah. that all it takes is one essential component. Right. Yep. be missing and the trike is useless you can't ride it so yep. it's the weakest link is really what we're talking about here i think so um okay hansa any final thoughts then is that uh, pretty much it for you no no thanks sure of course and we're glad you were able to come up with that again thanks for the catalog and peter we're going to talk to you a little bit later on so we're going to move good. along from here thanks pal all right folks uh, now on to the main uh, segment of the show uh, you saw uh, Craig Cornelius a little bit earlier as I introduced him, and we had a chance to really sit down and uh, and talk uh, about uh, tilting trikes, uh, a more philosophical look. Now, we've had quite a few tilting trikes on the show here in the last year, uh, many different kinds, uh, uh, everything from Velo Tilt to the AR3 and uh, the wooden tilting trike uh, from uh, the UK, um, all of them uh, interesting in their own right. But uh, Craig is going to talk to us about uh, the design of these in general and what he thinks are the advantages and disadvantages of various kinds. So uh, let me not uh, belabor that anymore. I think we're going to jump right into uh, Craig's talk. So, uh, Larry, let's let's hear what Craig had to say about this. With me right now is Craig Cornelius. Craig, how are you today? I'm just fine, Gary. Thank you. Craig is going to talk to us all about uh, tilting trikes, a subject that we have been uh, laboring over for quite a few months with various other folks. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a background and summary of all this, and Craig is eminently qualified to do this. Craig, tell us a little bit about that background of yours. Okay. I'm Gary. I'm a re retired uh, mechanical engineer. I have a uh, PhD in mechanical engineering and biomechanics from the University of Wisconsin. I've been doing the human powered thing since 1969, when uh, I saw an article uh, by a, a man named uh, Riley on a uh, recumbent tricycle that he developed. So I've been doing this long time. Um, I've traditionally picked what I call uh, projects that other people avoided. I spent 10 years working on uh, rear steering bicycles um, with some mixed success, but I've seen other people copying my results. So that was, that was kind of nice. Uh, worked on adding uh, arm power to, uh, to recumbents. Uh, arm power works well with recumbents because your body is, is fixed. And in my case, uh, my legs never produced as much power as I would have with an upright bicycle. So I said, hey, I've got cardio to burn. So uh, you know, I followed that up. And then the last and probably longest uh, project has been trying to develop an all-weather commuter vehicle. And uh, that's kind of led me to the tilting trike uh, direction. Um, mainly because quads are not, at least in Washington state, are not considered bicycles. 
And uh, if you electrify them, it gets even worse. So you're, you're not allowed to ride them on bike trails and things like that. So uh, the solution looked like uh, a leaning trike. And that's what I'd like to talk about, uh, what I've learned and what uh, I think people should uh, know going forward. Sounds great. And we're going to get into that presentation. And right before we do, I think maybe the folks would be interested in knowing what you are riding these days in the way of recumbents. Okay. So um, I bought an Avatar recumbent in 1985. I'm still riding the thing. I have, uh, I have sawed through two front derailleurs. I've broken the seat three times. I've bro and broken the frame once, but kind of keep repairing things and keep keep going. So that's it's more uh, miles than any other bike I've had. Let's delve into your presentation about tilting trikes and all you have to say about the uh, the whole genre here. Probably the the most significant social project that I've played with is trying to come up with a, an all weather. Uh, commuter, pedal-powered commuter tricycle. Actually, a commuter vehicle, um, but the quad thing had made, makes you kind of default to it being, being a tricycle. Um, a lot of people have dabbled with this as a, as a project. Uh, in my less than humble opinion, I don't think anybody's come up with a solution um, that I would consider checks off all of the all of the boxes. So uh, a formative uh, point in my life was, uh, uh, you know, I was into cycling in the in the early seventies, and in nineteen seventy three, two aerospace engineers, um, Robert Bunchu and Lionel Martin, who were working at a place called Gyrodyne. So Gyrodyne made missiles, but they were kind of moonlighting, designing a, a, a human-powered vehicle. This was during the gas crisis. So a lot of your listeners probably don't remember that, but it was a time when cars were lined up around the block to get gasoline. So these guys thought this is a perfect, perfect time to put out a, a pedal-powered vehicle. And it got a lot of publicity, uh, newspaper articles, popular science. It even was to the point where one of Chrysler's industrial designers lampooned it. Uh, and the reason for the lampooning was there, there wasn't a human-powered vehicle or a velomobile category or, or, or an e-bike category. So it was kind of lumped with automobiles except it had uh, it had pedal power um, it did a lot of things right it didn't do everything right but it came very close Un unfortunately there was only about 20 vehicles produced and uh, it kind of went off into uh, obscurity uh, uh, and I collected uh, literature from the 1973 articles and then uh, subsequently did a, a post on my blog about it. Anyway, this is my vision that I, that I have in the back of my mind when I'm uh, thinking about a commuter vehicle, except it doesn't have four wheels. So I came up with a list of the stuff I thought should be in an all-weather uh, pedal electric commuter vehicle. 
of course, uh, inclement weather protection, uh, protection, statically stable uh, on slippery surfaces. There's an area that I, uh, there's a bike trail near me that has a curve in it and I've been on it uh, roller skiing when there's been ice and uh, I just watch the cyclists come around the curve, lose traction and, and fall down. So slippery surfaces, you need more than two wheels. Um, reasonable cruise speed, something about 25 miles an hour. Um, rollover resistance of 1G, meaning you know, being able to corner uh, at uh, 1G where you know the, the G-force is defined as uh, uh, velocity squared divided by the radius of, of the curve. Cargo carrying capacity, you know, be able to carry a couple of grocery bags. Uh, no wider than a bicycle, and, and I put that number at uh, 36 inches because uh, I've come across uh, uh, barriers or, or poles on, on trails that are spaced about 36 inches, so you could get through those. It turns out that uh, in Holland, on the cycle paths, that dimension is 30 inches. So it's, it's even narrower. But uh, they're thinking, I think, mostly about velomobiles and, and regular bicycles. So I think that's probably something easy for your, your, your low velomobile to make. Um, comfortable posture and ease of entry. Um, for an old guy like me, something like a, uh, a, a low velomobile, a little bit difficult to get in and out of. Uh, and a little bit hard on the back. It turned out that the uh, the pedicar had a door like a car, and you just opened the door, climbed in, sat down, closed the door, and it went off. Um, I think two-wheel drive would be good, uh, especially if you're in a situation where you're going to ride it in the snow. Uh, Car-type wheel access, meaning, you know, the wheel is is accessible for changing flats, so basically cantilevered wheels, and electric assist. I, I think if you have a, a reasonably streamlined vehicle, uh, electric assist may do nothing but get you up the hills. But uh, where I live, there's lots of hills, so that's 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 a big deal. So, okay, uh, why three wheels and tilting? Of course, the statement previously, bicycles aren't stable on slippery surfaces. Uh, E-bike regulations in the U.S. and Canada limit the number of wheels to three. In fact, it's it's even more specific. It says one of the three wheels must be 20 inches or larger. So some of the designs I have uh, violate that. Uh, two wheels can be driven for, for improved traction. So that means if uh, with your tricycle layout, if it's a delta, you're gonna to have to steer with the front and drive both rear wheels. If it's a uh, tadpole trike, you run into an interesting situation. If you drive both front wheels, steering both front wheels is mechanically messy. Um, I, I've played with driving both front wheels and steering the rear wheel, and that's a, that's a whole uh, issue in itself. So these are my requirements for the trike, and they've come from uh, building vehicles that haven't met the requirements and then kind of suffering. Uh, 
big one is must be able to start and stop when when the trike is in an enclosed fairing without falling over. Um, one of my my uh, trikes, uh, the Ego Via Two, when it didn't have a fairing, life was good. But once I put a fairing on it, I had trouble getting my feet down and up. Uh, I crashed it about four times, uh, several times starting, several times stopping. So uh, I say, don't let it don't prevent leaning to the extent that it tips over. Um, and that's the second point there. The 1G turn uh, without tipping over, that seems like it might be extreme. Uh, in the category three for the e-bikes can go up to 27 miles an hour. So a 1G turn at that speed is about a 48 feet radius. That isn't that tight a turn. So I think uh, if you're going 27 miles an hour and, and you're gonna take a turn, if you can't handle that, you, you might flip. Uh, visibility is probably a, a debatable thing from the perspective of, of a lot of velomobile riders. Uh, I'd like to have my head about, top of my head, about 48 inches. Um, sports cars might get, you know, below uh, 40 inches, but I think 48 is a reasonable number. And then to fit through barriers, a width of 36 inches. So if you're going to do leaning with a tricycle, the question is, how do you control it? Um, the uh, most uh, obvious thing is to control the steering and leaning into one motion. Uh, most of the vehicles that are out there free lean like a bicycle. So uh, you just lean it, and if you don't know that you've got three wheels, you're not going to be able to tell whether you're in a bicycle or a tricycle. Uh, one Another way is to have free leaning with a centering spring, and the centering spring basically just works in the middle of your, your uh, upright uh, travel to make it easy to start. Another uh, way to do it is to have free leaning with a lean lock. So the lean lock is a lever you pull and it locks it wherever you're leaned to. That has some issues associated with it and you can, you can fix that if you have free leaning with a centering lean lock. So the centering lean lock basically only works when you're near upright, you pull the lever, it straightens you up completely and locks things. Uh, Another approach is, is dual control. Uh, one lever leans you, another lever uh, does the steering. And then what I call supplementary controlled leaning, you're basically a static tricycle and you can add some lean for, for tight turns. Okay, so I, these are some examples of, of those approaches. A couple lean and steering control. The, uh, the Mattel rocket trike uh, up in the upper right-hand corner may be the first leaning tricycle that anybody's come up with. Uh, and I remember seeing it as a kid and, and thinking, wow, that's that's pretty cool. As Gary pointed out, it's, it's also rear steering, so it definitely had some issues. Um, and then, of course, recently we have David Ashenbrenner's uh, AR, 
three trike and uh, the the uh, performance of that is very impressive. Most coupled lean and steering devices have a problem called bump steer. Whereas if you hit something, one of the tires hits something, it pivots around the central beam and you get unexpected steering. And uh, my first Ecovia had a problem with this. I was going down a road, hit a rut that I didn't see. Next thing I know, I am upside down in the road. And uh, fortunately, there was, you know, it was no traffic there. Never rode that uh, vehicle again, but I did have the steering and the lean couple together. Free leaning, uh, it's what most of the vehicles you will see do. Um, the Drymer is an example of this uh, from Europe. And I don't think it has any, any lean locking abilities. Uh, the problems, of course, with free leaning are stopping and starting when you have a, a fairing around you. And to do a 1G turn, you have to lean at 45 degrees. That's a lot of lean. If you look at the, the gentleman in the upper right and the right side of that photograph, you know, he's leaned maybe at 60 degrees. Um, leaning that type of design over at 45 degrees really requires a, a great range of motion with your, your mechanisms. And we've all seen photographs of motorcycle riders leaning like that. And with their knees up so they don't scrape the knees or scrape the, the tailpipes, uh, it's a hard thing to do uh, comfortably. Uh, and your tires have to maintain uh, traction at that point. So that's, that's the big downside of free leaning. So this is, uh, this is a design from, from the famous George Georgiev, uh, who has the, you know, the vector speed bikes. Um, I've met Georgiev years ago. Uh, he is a, uh, he is a sculptor by trade, but the guy has an amazing ability to solve mechanical engineering problems. So with his Varna trike, he's got a torsion spring kind of down the center of, of the vehicle um, that the rider and the handlebars are one moving piece and then the rear wheels are another moving piece and there is this torsion spring in there. And what the torsion spring does is it centers you it, it holds you centered when you're near upright, so it's easy to get started and stopping. But if you lean far enough, you overwhelm the spring, and then it's a, a regular free-leaning design. So the, the biggest problem with this is, uh, again, the 45-degree uh, angle that you need to lean it to get the 1G turn. This, of course, is, is something that uh, most of your listeners know all about, uh, the, the velo tilt. Um, just a side note, when my uh, rear steering Ecovia Mark I didn't work, the obvious thing was to flip it from a, a tadpole, rear steering tadpole to a, a front steering delta. And there were videos of the uh, early versions of it wasn't called a velo tilt there, but there were ver uh, videos of this that showed that it worked. So I said, gee, if I, if I do something like this, 
um, it will stay up. And the, the Ecovia Mark II and III all look pretty similar to this. The difference being is the Velo Tilt drives the front wheel and I was driving both back wheels. Um, the Velo Tilt has a lean lock and I, I confess to copying the lean lock there. Original lean lock for the Quadrant used a disc brake rotor and a, and a disc brake caliper and you pull the lever and, and clamp the brake. That, that worked, worked pretty good, so I use that. Uh, the problems with this were A, knowing if the lean lock is engaged and B, knowing when to engage it. And uh, I would do, I was doing some hill testing with, with the EO, Eco Via Mark II and the problem was getting it just upright enough and pulling the lean lock lever. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of weaving back and forth. So my leaning is changing. So, so that was always a problem. And then the question is stopping, uh, when do you pull the lever? So that, that's a problem with that. So what I did with the, the Ecovia Mark II after I had my crashing issues is I went in there and designed a mechanism that centers the vehicle upright and locks it in one motion. Problem with that is uh, you can't exert enough force to straighten it up from being leaned all the way over. So you had to be sort of near uh, upright uh, for it to work. It, it worked pretty well uh, with, with two problems. The one thing is remembering that it was locked up. Um, I was riding this down a road and I forgot that it wasn't locked up. Fortunately, it was a, a Friday morning with no traffic. And, you know, you, you forget that you, you're supposed to be leaning a big, big S wave in, into what would have been traffic, but there was no traffic. So there's a, there's a, a problem with that. Um, and uh, again, it must be upright. Uh, a good friend of mine, a uh, fellow human power vehicle person, Jerry Onifer, uh, when I uh, had him over to, to play with this, he said he couldn't imagine that an average person could deal with the two modes of operation. Uh, one is free leaning and the other is uh, static trike when it's, when it's locked up. He thought that it... Uh, your average person wouldn't be able to comfortably handle that. And as a result of that, I, I sort of changed directions on, on my, uh, my design work there. So uh, uh, next slide. So this is a tripendo. Uh, Gary mentioned he's seen these in Europe. Um, this sort of led me to uh, the, the Ecovia uh, Mark III. Uh, one lever... Uh, leans one lever steers and uh, again my my friend Jerry pointed out he said uh, how are you going to remember which lever does what so this is Eco VMark three so basically what I have is under seat steering and I steer with both hands and on the side I have an auxiliary lean lever so uh, up until about 0.4 G's it's just a static trike and I ride it like that. You know, if I start making a, a turn that I feel is, is tighter than that's comfortable, I can reach up and 
pull the lean lever. You pull it one way to lean it one way and, and pull it the other. And it's pretty intuitive. Uh, it's lever is on the, on the left side. Um, you pull it back, it leans left, you push it forward, it, it leans right. Um, and this I considered a, a pretty successful experiment in that uh, you could mix the two modes. At, at no point are you free leaning. Uh, at no point do you have to uh, interactively work with the lean control. You, you pull it for leaning and do your turn and then you can pull it back. Um, the difficulty is uh, for the angle of lean that was required, the forces on the lever were huge. And this, uh, this only leaned at 19 degrees and I calculated I needed about 26 degrees for a, a 1G turn. That means that this mechanism uh, is not adequate for that, that type of approach. Okay, so I did a, a scorecard of the vehicles we've talked about. Um, uh, Gary Ashen or David Ashenbrenner's uh, AR3 trike, uh, no tip at starting, it, it, it meets that requirement. The no tip at the, the limit of static lean, it meets that requirement. Uh, no tip at a 1G turn, it meets that requirement. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't meet the 48 inch height requirement, but it does meet the width is less of less than 36 uh, inches requirement. And uh, my comment is uh, his design doesn't have a bump steer problem, which uh, I, I think is very impressive uh, work on, on his layout. Um, Drymer trike, uh, it can tip over when starting. It can tip over at the lean limit. Um, it can't do a 1G uh, turn uh, without tipping over. Height is good, 48 inches, and width is good, less than 36 inches. Um, Georgiev's Varna trike, uh, starting and stopping, uh, easy with his uh, centering spring. And uh, if you were to see a video of that, and you can find a video online on the Varna trike, uh, the performance is awesome uh, when you see it riding. It looks like it just balances by itself. Um, no tip at uh, the static limit. Uh, it looks like it will tip over. Uh, it looks like it can't get to, uh, to a, a 1G uh, turn without tipping over. The height is good at 48 inches and the width is, is very narrow uh, and it easily meets the 36 inches. Velo tilt, uh, no tip at starting. Uh, it, it meets that requirement because of the lean lock. Uh, no tip at uh, the lean limit. Uh, it's very low. And uh, it turns out that this is a parallel wheeled leaning uh, trike. The parallel wheel leaning trikes, the two paired wheels, the spacing between them increases as the vehicle leans. So there's no way that you could uh, overturn this at 1G. In fact, it's probably uh, definitely in excess of 1G. Um, the height, uh, of course, it doesn't meet the height requirement. It is very low. Uh, and the width requirement, uh, it satisfies. Then we have the, the Eco VMR II, which had the centering lean lock.
So you could start it and stop it without tipping. Uh, it would tip over free leaning. So that wasn't good. Uh, it was good free, free leaning lean limit. It was good for about half a G. Uh, of course, the height met the requirement because it was designed in there and the width met the requirement. Uh, it, it was designed in there as well. The uh, tripendo, uh, easy to start, uh, stop and start with without tipping over. Um, it's low enough that it uh, appears that it will not tip over at its lean limit. Looks like it's good for a 1G uh, turn at its lean limit. Uh, it's too low, though. It's, uh, you know, it's less than 48 inches, but the width is good. Um, and, you know, it has the possible confusion of, of which lever do you pull uh, to do what. And then the, the Ecovia Mark III, um, which is basically static with, with an extra bump in leaning, uh, good starting and stopping. Uh, it's designed so that it can't lean farther than uh, where it would tip. Um, it couldn't do a 1G turn. It uh, calculated to look like it might be three quarters of a G. Uh, height was good and uh, the width, width was good. The, the track on, on that was 30 inches. So I figured the width is probably about 34 inches. Uh, you know, I refer to the, uh, the Toyota iRoad uh, which I, I'm very impressed with. I, I'm also um, envious because my first V had the same layout as the iRoad. I couldn't make free leaning work, uh, balancing and, and steering the rear wheel. Of course, uh, the iRoad has a lot of nice electronics, so it works just fine. Um, my design needs a different kind of uh, lean lever control to exert the forces that are necessary to pick it up from a, a 23 degree lean angle, which is what I calculated. And I'm thinking something like a, a, uh, a teller wheel or a hand wheel might allow one to develop those forces, uh, albeit uh, having to move it, uh, you know, a, a full revolution to, uh, to pick it up and, and put it back down. So uh, observations. Uh, free leaning doesn't take uh, uh, doesn't benefit from the spacing between the two paired wheels. Uh, it's just like a bicycle, and the two think of the two paired wheels as uh, training wheels that are always in contact. But they're not uh, they're not really limiting what uh, what happens uh, during the free lean thing. Um, so a free leaning approach uh, can't meet the width and the height and the 1G rollover uh, requirements. Uh, whereas a, a, coal, uh, a controlled leaning approach adds the benefit of leaning uh, to the rollover requirement of the paired wheels. And if, if you think of this, if you have a, a vehicle with a track of say uh, 30 inches, if you can lean the vehicle over to the point uh, so uh, a vehicle with a track of 30 inches, uh, and, and I'm talking about the effective track, which is uh, two-thirds of the actual track because it's a triangle, but uh, a vehicle with an effective track of 30 inches basically has a, a distance of 
15 inches from the center of gravity to the outside wheel. And that's what your, your rollover resistance comes from. Now, if you lean it all the way over to the point where it's just about to tip in the direction of the radius of the turn, now you've basically doubled that width. So the control leaning basically lets you double what the vehicle can do statically. I did some calculations for a, a theoretical trike. And the lean angle that I calculated, the 26 degrees, comes from saying that I'm going to lean it all the way over to the point where it's just about to, to tip. And at that point, it could handle 1G. And if you solve for that, it's 26 degrees. Interestingly enough, the Toyota iRoad has about a 26 degree lean. And I'm going to say it's got a track of 30 inches, and this track is, is not the effective track. So this is the track of the wheels. The effective track is actually 20 inches because of the two-thirds thing. And I'm going to say the, the center of gravity height is, is 25 inches. Um, and I'm going to do some comparisons. So we're going to take this uh, this 30-inch track, 25-inch uh, CG height, uh, and 26-degree lean, and uh, see what our, our rollover resistance is. So the static version has a rollover resistance of 0.4 Gs. If this was a quad, and I know we're not talking quads, but it's you can't avoid them as far as, as good solutions to problems, even though they're illegal. A quad version has about 50% more rollover resistance than, than the three-wheel version. So that would be about 0.6 Gs. With this 26-degree lean angle, the rollover resistance is about a half a G. And if you did a controlled lean trike, uh, you could get to the 1G. So you, you see a comparison between a, a static trike, a quad, a free-leaning trike, and a, a controlled lean trike. And uh, that's what's kind of driven me to the, the controlled lean trike. And the tripendo is a controlled lean trike. Well, Craig, thank you so much for that fascinating uh, presentation uh, about you, leaning Gary. trikes. Uh, that was that was great. I have one question that kind of comes to mind. So, um, considering uh, some of the issues that uh, the the modern fighter jets uh, encountered uh, in the last uh, twenty years, where they could con had control surfaces that could do amazing things, but no pilot could control it. And it right, seems to right. me to be a um, maybe a connection here, a similarity between some of the things you're talking about, where you've kind of solved the issues of leaning, but in a practical sense, can't get a can't get a bike rider to be able to do these things. Have you seen, or could you foresee a situation where there is some sort of electronic device that could evaluate uh, in real time these leaning uh, uh, equations and solve for them with I don't know servo motors or in some way assist. Uh, the leaning trike and bringing it into uh, fruition? Exactly, exactly, especially when we're talking about the e-trikes. So the reason that uh, the Toyota iRoad works and my Mark One EcoVia didn't work is they have controls to do these things. Um, with, with having a battery on board uh, and uh, using uh, 
a controlled lean approach, uh, it would be very straightforward to have the rider not worry about it at all. Um, you could do it two different ways. The, the one way uh, that I think is more practical is an in incremental, incremental approach. That being, if you, if the, the sense, so the sensors are going to sense the angle of the steering and the, the lateral, like, or your speed. So from those two things, you can calculate, uh, you can calculate what the G's are. So as opposed to your, your auto control continually leaning, which would waste electricity, uh, it could be a static trike up until the point where your controls thought you were going to get in trouble. And then it could just add lean to it. The interesting thing with the uh, with the controlled leaning is you feel lateral accelerations, whereas on a on a free leaning you don't. Like a bicycle, you don't feel lateral accelerations. Going around a cor a corner in a car, of course, you feel lateral accelerations. So when you, when you've added the extra bump of leaning with controlled leaning, you are going to feel like it's you know, it's pulling you uh, away from the center of, of, of the curve. But uh, yes, it uh, having a, a motor there would be very straightforward uh, to have electronic control. And the, uh, the design for the, the uh, follow-on from the EcoVIA 3 that I have has a rotating tiller that would easily uh, be attached to a motor to do that. Uh, you know, the question is, uh, safety, if, you're, if your motor cuts out, if your battery cuts out, what happens there? So the, the mechanical engineer in me says, uh, let's try to do it mechanically, but it'd be much better if the, uh, if the design didn't require a, a person to interact with it. Well, Craig, thank you so much for um, taking the time to work with me on this and to explain um, uh, the world of tilting trikes that we've been dabbling in, as I've said. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again uh, in, the, in the future. I think we're going to explore some more subjects. Uh, Craig, why don't we finish up with, uh, if you could tell folks uh, about your blog, what's it called? And we'll put the link in the description below. It's, uh, it's Left-Handed Cyclist with No Space. And, and I'll explain it uh, clearly. Uh, I must be left-handed to do that. But the inference is, you know, historically, the left hand was, was a bad thing. Uh, in, in Italian, left is sinestro, sinister. Uh, in French, it's gauche. Um, so I, I, want, I cover the topics that the conventional cyclists won't touch, right? You know, I don't worry about the minutia of frame design or tire pressure, I pick the weird stuff that a, a good cyclist avoids, right? So Makes sense. Well, yeah, I, I encourage folks to take a look at that. And uh, yeah, we've talked about it. I think we will uh, have you on again and we'll, we'll, we'll check out some of the other topics uh, of interest that you, you cover in your blog and maybe some other stuff. So sure. Dr. Craig Cornelius, thank you so much for joining us on the hey, late. Gary, thank you for the opportunity to bend people's ears. Appreciate it. All right. And there is uh, Dr. Craig Cornelius with us live and Hansa and Peter as well. 
Uh, first of all, uh, Craig, thanks again for uh, for working with me on this fascinating discussion. Uh, I don't know if you were prepared for the fighter jet question. I'm not sure where that came from, but uh, you, you handled it beautifully. Now, <laughs> let's, um, if we could, let's start, uh, Craig, uh, with uh, any final thoughts you had, maybe anything you felt like you might have left out of that discussion, if you could briefly uh, let us know about that. A few errors. Um, George Georgiev's trikes are Varner trikes. They're not vectors. Um, it's, a, it's a tough problem, which is why uh, nobody solved it. If you, if you recall that uh, summary chart, the criteria uh, row that had the most no's was height. Everybody can do everything except meet the height. Make it make it high and make it narrow. Uh, a bicycle works very well with that, but a bicycle doesn't work well on on slippery uh, conditions. Uh, I noticed in the in the Tour de France this year, the instead of using motorcycles, they're using three wheel leaning trikes. The the most noted brand is a Piaggio MP3. Um, and the reason they do that is if you've got a three-wheel leaning trike and you're on a slippery surface, you're still going to slide, but you're not going to tip over. And that's that's where the popularity of, of those come from. So uh, the Piaggio, though, is a free leaning trike. And there are cases of beginning riders getting on them and tipping them over. All right. Great. Uh, we had, uh, like I said, I have Hans and Peter with us, and I'm going to let them uh, make comments or ask questions. But we did have a few questions in the chat that I want to bring up. First of all, from uh, Peter Vick, actually uh, asking the question that I titled the entire webcast was, what's the point of this? Um, and uh, you, I think it was early on in your discussion. I think you answered many of these. And Hans actually popped in and and kind of reiterated what you talked about in terms of uh, having higher uh, uh, trikes that will not tip and give you better visibility. So uh, quickly, what would you say the major point is of the tilting trike? Why? Um, it's to be able to have a narrow width and a a good height uh, and still be stable. Um, one, one morning a week, I, uh, I ride the Avatar down to a park and 10 miles of that ride is on roads with cars and it's during rush hour. Um, the Avatar, my head height's about 52 inches. Uh, even at that height, when the trucks are going by, you know, I feel intimidated by their by their presence. I wouldn't want to be lower. Um, on the other hand, I, I don't know, most of your, your readers have probably tried to ride a bike on a wet, snowy surface, and uh, it, it just doesn't work. So if you're going to ride it under all circumstances, uh, I think you need three or four wheels uh, to give you that, that confidence that I'm not going to tip over. And here's Michael Smith kind of reiterating what you're talking about here. Trails and paths require sharper turns than some trikes can make without tilting uh, around his location in Indiana. So a tilting trike makes for a safer ride. You just mentioned four wheels, which you also did in 
in your talk, and that popped up there in the uh, chat as well. Why not four wheels? Well, four wheels works. You made that point. This is about trikes, though, and there are some advantages. And a four wheeler is is with the exception that you have to steer two wheels instead of one if you have a a, a delta front steer or a, a, a tadpole rear steer. Um, they're simpler, right? And you don't have to worry about them. That's why you see so few three-wheel cars, because there's all these little bo extra boxes you have to check off with a three-wheel car. With a four-wheel car, you just go and do it. All right. Uh, how about the, the weight? So what is the effect of a tilting mechanism on the overall mass of a vehicle? Obviously, you can't give us each one, but how much percentage-wise, let's say, does it add to add tilting mechanism? Uh, I'm just ballparking here, maybe 50% to the weight of the frame, 50% to the weight of the structure. Quite significant, without doubt. All right, uh, I'm going to look for further questions in the meantime. Hansa, did you have a, a question or a comment uh, for Craig? Well, I, uh, well, um, my my main question was about uh, the example of uh, when it would be great to have a tilting trike, or you know the examples. So you have mentioned in snowy conditions or very slippery slippery conditions. Uh, but does does uh, a quad solve it? Uh, and is the pro problem of quad only the illegality uh, in terms of bicycle standard? Then, well, if you if you talk about a a fixed leaning trike, it gives you about uh, thirty percent greater rollover resistance than uh, than a comparable a quad would. But that 30% isn't worth the extra complexity. So uh, I think the problem is, as you state, is, is legality. Um, it's not a bicycle. And once you motorize it, then is it a car? And, and that's, that's what we're fighting. And uh, as Gary has brought up, that's, that's an issue that this community should, should discuss and see if there's a way forward. Because there are, you know, the... Uh, the uh, Quattrovilo uh, and uh, the old Pedicar, um, they were they were all quads, uh, and uh, they wouldn't wouldn't work here. So yep. All right. And then, then I think ahead. the electronic the electronic is a perfect solution. I mean, there are uh, even if you have an uh, let's say a trike with uh, electric trike with uh, electronic shifting. They always uh, have to cut out the motor first and the, the shifting later. Same with the lights charged by the by the main battery. So uh, they have to cut out the motor first when the battery is empty, and then as the final uh, cutout would be the the lights. So you can add that in the row uh, of cutouts <laughs> and still have it locked at the end, uh, if it's right, necessary. Right. So I, I think it's quite, it's quite workable. It's just yeah. a matter of when you're the salesperson, do you want to be explaining this and say, well, it really works great until your battery goes out. But nobody wants to ride it without the battery. You know, that's with the ESs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> people don't want to ride it. Yeah. They, always, they always take care about it. And yeah. you can have a big red light there flashing like, 
Right. <laughs> Nobody runs out of gas in a car or lets their battery yeah, run out in sure. a electric vehicle, right? Like I mean, this. it's something that you just avoid. All right. Hans, is that it uh, for you? Yeah. Thank thanks. you. Thanks for your contribution. Peter, what do you have? Well, first, from a sales point of view, when the, I, you know, I've ridden, I rode uh, one lean steer. It was a, a tilt lock lean steer trike at a recumbent cycle con several years ago. And uh, it was neat and I could see how it would work. I don't remember the brand name. I don't think it went into production, but uh, it occurred to me, you know, if I had this in the shop, it would be as expensive as a trike and as heavy as a trike, actually more expensive and heavier. And you'd still have to learn to ride it. And the main advantage of trikes in the showroom is that you just get on and go away and it's fun. There's not very little learning curve. So it would violate that rule of marketing. I, I, not that that's necessarily a rule, but anyway. Um, but clearly it has advantages to a rider who's skilled enough or a system that's charged up and smart enough or, you know, whatever. It would have advantages. I think the legality issue is something we should petition Congress about. It's ridiculous that they're limiting us to vehicles that are less safe. By de default, a trike is less safe than a quad, especially if you take it to a 48-inch height. Uh, obviously, if you take something like a, a, you know, a low tadpole, okay, they, they don't turn over in corners hardly at all. If you lean in, they're, they're real good. But if you're going to go in traffic, you want to be higher than that. Uh, I rode an uh, uh, organic transit. Uh, what's the name of the organic transit? Uh, the Elf? Elf, elf. yeah. I, I rode the Elf, and that was pretty neat, but it's, it's over four feet wide. Yeah. So yeah. Where, one, where are you going to ride that? One problem with that was that, well, their idea was that it would be a, visually it would be a car. It would consume the lane. But one problem with that, if it's over four feet wide, the inside of a tractor trailer is less than eight feet. So you can't pass two of them past each other in an hour. And so then to deliver it from North Carolina to New York was going to cost, I don't know, $1,500 freight or something. That's wow, you know? So I think that it needs to be lower. 48 inches is a good number. I think three feet wide is a pretty good number, but there are bike paths where that'll be a problem. But you know, I don't live where there's bike paths. So I don't see that myself. I mean, in the showroom, we do see people that talk about that. Um, but I think something, uh, eventually there's going to be a practical vehicle and I think they're gonna be popular and that we're waiting for it to appear. Uh, well, something that's really got my attention now, but it won't be in the States for a long time is the pod bike. Uh, Podbike.com, I believe it is. It has uh, the the, European rule is you can't have more than 250 watts of battery power. So it has a, a two rear wheels that are driven. The battery drives one rear wheel with 250 watts and the pedals drive a generator that generates up to 250 watts and that powers the other rear wheel. So there's no driveline. So it's extremely simple. Now you lose some percent in the translation from mechanical at the pedals to electric and back to mechanical at the wheel. But the lack of maintenance and the design simplicity, if you could build a system that was simple and super low maintenance, durable, trouble-free, 
That's I really want to ride one of those, but they're yeah, not going to make it in the, the U.S. Pod, the pod bike is is an interesting choice, and they've been really on, they've been on the show. I, that, we, that's we, where I heard about it. Was right, on the we, show. We Very them. interesting. Uh, but to be clear, this is not a tilting vehicle. No, it's it, not. But it does it yeah. does uh, uh, check all of the other boxes. Well, it, I don't know it, about it. It may not pull one G in a corner. I'm not sure. That's probably it is, its downfall. It is, it is a quad. It is a quad, is right? A quad. So we'd have to change the law. Right. Yep. And we're going to just to, to be clear to folks, let them know, uh, Doug uh, Davis and I have been working on this for a while. And Peter, you're going to be involved, too. We're going to do uh, an entire show on uh, on this very issue, on the legality of, the, of, of two, three and four wheels. Uh, we're going to get into specifics and we're going to talk about how maybe we can uh, uh, address uh, our legislation, address some legislation, uh, Congress people and such to get this this thing into a situation where it's more practical. So um, I don't want to belabor that, but that's obviously very, very important. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, Peter, did you have anything else on, on that? I want to finish Well, the legality, is a, the legality is a major issue and it should be overcome, but just, you know, my dad was an, a physics professor and he said the multiple of anecdote is data. So I have an anecdote, a few anecdotes about a legality of, of things, right? Uh, we had a customer that put a gas motor on a bicycle. Now that's clearly illegal, period. And not only is it illegal, it's noisy. So it's obviously illegal. Well, he got pulled over by the police one day and he's like, uh-oh, now I'm in for it. And the policeman walked up to him and said, where can we get some of these motors to put on our patrol bikes? So they didn't care if it was legal. They wanted them. So, you know, it depends on where you are. Obviously, a, an officer could, could enforce the law, although it's maybe not real likely. But one thing that could happen is if you were riding a vehicle that was illegal and you had an accident, then you'd be in court and it would be discovered that it's illegal. So legality is important. And I think that's a good discussion for us to have on this show. Okay. Yeah. And we're going to do that. The last thing I think is the most uh, practical issue um, I, in, in your talk, uh, Craig, you you know, you talk about the tilting trike, you talk about all the different kinds and you, you really said, this is not really still solved, right? I mean, right. all these people are still in the chat. We're, we're getting questions about, you know, if for this to work, we need major manufacturers to, to jump on board and put this out. If this is going to ever succeed, which I think is obviously true, but uh, you know, none of them have blinds on. And I think they're all aware of, of what's out there and we don't see a tilting trike uh, being put forth, you know, by a cat trike or a terror trike or a green speed or any of them. So Craig, I guess I'd like to finish up with you on your vision for the future of this. Will it be solved? Will it, do you see it as going into a uh, major production, at least in terms of how trikes are in major production around our country and around the world? What do you see as the future of tilting trike? Well, you know, it always comes down to cost, right? If you have uh, an uh, you know, electric assist tilting trike um, and you have the money to put in all the technical features, um, it will solve the problem. Whether it sells to lots of people is, is hard to say. Look at, uh, you know, the Pedicar is a classic example. Uh, in 1973, the Pedicar was about $550. Um, it, it never made mass production uh, and it was well designed. Uh, so you might have an answer there that 
uh, as some of your uh, uh, watchers have said, it may be too complicated to be worthwhile. Um, and that's, you know, from a, I'm not a marketing person, I'm a can you solve the problem technically. Um, issues like weight uh, of the vehicle become hindrances that say the problem isn't solved. The Ecovia uh, Mark III, uh, way, way too much. Um, I don't know if I'm good, if you'll see people riding them all over the place because of the cost. Um, let's say the cost is going to be $6,000. Um, can you buy a car or uh, something else with that $6,000 that you feel is, is a better investment? I, I don't know. Um, so uh, things, things like the, uh, you know, the European, uh, I, I'm thinking of the pod bike. Um, very interesting design, addressed a lot of the issues. That's a, a classic example of if, if quads don't bother you, will that become popular? And, and I'm sure that they, they hope that it will. Um, who, who will ride it? That's, that's the big, big question. Uh, even my brief exposure that uh, electric scooters have cut into the people that would ride an electric bicycle. Um, you know, why are you going to hop on an electric bicycle and, and, you know, get your clothes dirty when you can stand on an electric scooter? So the, the answer to, I guess, micromobility, uh, I don't know what that is at this point. Um, sure. And we're not, we're not the simplest solution. You know, compare yourself to the electric scooter and say, you know, are, are we going to lure someone away? You can't ride an electric scooter in a downpour. Well, maybe you can if, you know, but uh, um, if that doesn't bother you, if you live in a sunny climate, uh, you might just invest in an electric scooter. There we go. So we're waiting, we're awaiting a final solution to all of these problems. If there's one, uh, that would be great. It, it seems as though it, there may be multiple solutions that may find markets. Uh, so we'll see how that all works out. But I think we're going to leave it there for now. So Dr. Craig Cornelius, again, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, the Left Handed Cyclist is the blog. And uh, Craig has been writing that for quite some time. Lots of interesting stuff there. I, I, I encourage you to take a look. And uh, Craig, you've... Uh, you have said that you will come back on the show. We'll talk over some other of your uh, interesting ideas and subjects with uh, cycling, recumbent cycling. You'll do that? I Indeed, I will. It sounds great. So again, thanks, and we will see you soon. Thank you. All right. Okay, folks, we are going to move on uh, to uh, Peter Stahl's uh, segment here about transporting uh, your trike. So, uh, Larry, let's have a look. Well, that was a great ride. Now I'm gonna put the bike on the roof of the car to get home. First thing I'll do is, uh, I guess I'll, it might rain, so I'm gonna take the bag off so the stuff in the bag doesn't get wet. Then I'll pick the bike up. This is a cat trike, so it's pretty light. Lighter than most. 
little awkward. So there we are. So I've got it lined up so that the two front wheels are touching the roof and touching the roof bar, the roof rack bar. If I was gonna do this very often, I'd move the other rack bar forward so that it could touch the tire and the roof at the same time, but I'm not going far, this will be fine. Now I've got these two ratchet straps. I always like to use more than one because if you use one ratchet strap and anything goes wrong, you hear this loud noise behind you. And that was your trike, so we avoid that. So I use at least two ratchet straps and uh, tie it down thoroughly. But you know, it is supposed to rain. Maybe I'll put it inside the back so I don't have to worry about it. And if I decide to go to a drive through restaurant on the way home, the bike survives much better if it's inside than if it's on the roof. put the bike in the car and I've got a method I think works pretty good. First thing I do is I put the left pedal forward and then I step in here between the frame and the wheel and I do it on the left side because the right side's got that greasy chain on it. You know I want to avoid that greasy chain. So I'll get over here on the left side and my wife won't have to worry about won't be explaining the grease marks on my legs that way you see. So then I'll pick the bike up and set the rear wheel on the back of the car. Now I want to get out of the way because as soon as I start to roll this bike backward, the pedals are going to go backwards. And it's easy to get pinched between the pedals and the bike. Now notice I'm putting the rear wheel over to the passenger side. Sometimes, you know, when I first started putting tracks in cars, I put the rear wheel between the two seats. And you know that works pretty good. But if a dog runs out in front of you and you stand on the brakes, that bike is going to run right up in the front seat and say hello. And when I stand on the brakes, I don't need to be distracted by a bike coming up to say hello. So I put it in diagonal. And that way, it's, it's locked in the back and it can't get out without my permission. And there you go. Sometimes people have a, they look up a trike and they measure the length of the luggage space in their car and they measure the length of the trike. They think, well, the trike is longer than the luggage space. But the car doesn't, the, the brochure about the car doesn't tell you the diagonal length of the luggage space. Because that's how we put trikes in, is diagonal. And it works very well. So, thanks for watching and enjoy your trike. All right, and enjoying his trike right now is who is that peter skull hi all right peter so there you go pop it on turn the Folks, echo off there's here. nothing we love more the laid back bike report than action shots and there it is can you hear us yes there we go so peter great great segment are you are you going to be doing some more uh, of fit the trike into the uh, the truck kind of things? What do you yes. got, What do you got we're, in store for us? Well, we're going to do bikes and trikes and a variety of vehicles, and we have uh, 
you know, there's a certain number of vehicles that our employees have, and we will, you will get to see the inside of some of those vehicles. But every once in a while, a customer will come in with an interesting vehicle, and we will beg, borrow, and steal a way to cram a bike in the back of their car on a videotape. So we're planning to do that. I, one time I put a, a long wheelbase recumbent in the back of a Corvette. Ah, I wish I had got a video of that. All I got was still pictures. But so it's, we're going to have some fun. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention in the video is that that is a Chevy Equinox. And also putting it on the roof of the Equinox, I'm six foot two and I weigh 180 and I'm moderately rugged for 180 pounds. That was a cat trike trail, which is fairly light. It's awkward and it's just a bit heavy being so awkward. So yeah, there are a whole lot of trikes you're not gonna put in the roof of a car alone, at least I'm not. And if it has e-assist, there's no way I'm gonna put it in the roof of a car alone. So we'll do something with ramps into the back of a vehicle. We'll put some bikes and trikes in small vehicles. And it'll, we're just going to try to see how wide a variety of, of topics and uh, vehicles and, and bikes and trikes we can come up with to keep this interesting for months. Yeah. Sounds good. And uh, yeah, you got to look for that Corvette because I, I want to see that for sure. Oh, I, Mile I, High Triker. Greg, hi. Nice to see you. Greg says, uh, great stuff, Peter. Too bad I had to learn this through trial and error, which I'm sure is almost all of what the rest of us have done. So Peter's going to see if he can uh, shortcut it all uh, for us and find a bunch of different kinds of vehicles and different kinds of trikes and bikes to put them in. So Peter, thanks again. Very good. Thank you. See you next time, pal. All right. Bye. We are going to move on to our review team, and we are starting out with uh, our uh, our pal T uh, Tim Siegert uh, from uh, Bicycle Revolution, Bike Revolution, I'm sorry, in Odessa, Florida, and he's going to review the amazing Cruise Bike S40. Larry, let's have a look. Hey, guys, it's Tim from Bent Revolution, and this is the Cruise Bike S40 for the laid-back bike report. Let's go. This has a 1x11 drive system with SRAM uh, shifters. It's one click for uh, higher gear and two clicks, a long push for a lower gear. The one by 11 is an 1142 cassette. So you've got a huge range to climb hills or go fast. Uh, it's got disc brakes, mechanical disc brakes front and back. It's got a carbon seat with a nice cushion, give you a good comfortable ride. Uh, it's also got uh, a very, elaborate system to size the bike. This is size for me, so it's enormous, but uh, it can be adjusted here. And this whole piece moves, can be adjusted here. Even the bottom bracket can be adjusted for a different size people. So for me, it's all the way down. Uh, for others, it'll be all the way up. This bike will fit riders from five foot two to six foot five, and it only weighs about 27 pounds, so it's light as a feather practically floats. This bike has through axles, so no dropouts. These go all the way through, twist in. And here's an interesting feature. Built into the through axle is this handy little tool where you can use it to tighten the uh, axle and it stores right in place in the hollow part of the axle right there. Let's go for a ride. The bike shifts very easily using the one click system, two clicks for the lower gear. The bike puts you in a really comfortable position, very maneuverable. Cruise Bike offers a nice selection of racks and bags to put all your stuff in. 
as well as some really great accessories that will make your bike even easier to use. The headrest isn't, isn't my favorite. I would get the adjustable custom headrest. Oh, ah. trouble with riding at night in Florida. You get a bug in your eye every now and then, which I've just done. Speed bump. Woo, a big jump. The S40 would be a great bike for taking on a cross-country tour. I mean, look at this. You're in just a very relaxed position all day, no stress. It's basically like having the back of a bike on the front of a bike. It accelerates pretty well. I would have no problem with getting this started from an intersection. I think I'd feel real confident with that. I've got a mirror over here so I can see what's behind me. I had one of these for, this is my daily ride for quite a while. I loved it. And this one, you know, it's long enough for me to stretch out and get a good extension on my bike pedal. Some people can ride without hands. I can ride with one hand or with the other hand. The disc brakes are good, but they're kind of a little bit on the spongy side, I think. The shifting is very crisp. One click puts you to a harder gear and a full press goes to an easier gear. So it's just one action, but some people get confused until I get used to it. And then it's second nature. Cruise Bike is known for their innovative front drive approach to the recumbent bike. They're constantly refining their bikes to improve performance and comfort. As perhaps the tallest recumbent dealer in North America, comfort and fit are important to me. It's got a new headset that helps dampen vibration, which is great. And that helps to give you a smoother ride. This bike features a marine matte finish paint that I think is really attractive. It also has 700 by 32 tires for a smooth, confident ride. Probably shouldn't be riding at night in Florida with my mouth open. You do catch a lot of bugs that way. It really is true that this bike rides faster than most road bikes and climbs better than other recumbents. I think front wheel drive has a lot to do with that, but Florida is so flat, it's really hard for me to say for sure how great it is climbing hills. This bike as equipped is around $4,600. And I think it's worth it for that. You get a bike that is really versatile. You can do a lot of things with it. Whether you want to go on a tour, a weekend ride, maybe an endurance event, bike packing, this can do it all. Hey, while you're watching me swallow bugs out here, there's like a swarm of mosquitoes all around my head. If you like this video and would like to see others, uh, just subscribe and like that like button. And if you'd like to see one of these in person, come by to Bent Revolution in Odessa, Florida. We'd be glad to help you out.
All right, Tim, Bet Revolution. What a great review. Honestly, Tim, uh, I think you are the tallest reviewer uh, that's out there. And uh, uh, the suggestion I would have for you is next time you do a, a bike or a trike review, just go ahead and do the mosquito repellent review along with it. So, Tim Seeger, thank you so much. Let's move along now to Nina Paley's next uh, segment for us. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this as we enjoy all of Nina's. Uh, a little bit of a electric trike review uh, at an interesting spot. Uh, Larry, let's see it. Here is some Illinois gravel. It is coarse. It is deep. It is soft. Uh, and this is my usual road bike and I'm walking it across this gravel because if I don't I will slip and slide and be miserable and stressed out. I wanted to show this to contrast my usual ride with what I got to do last weekend in Michigan. I visited Central Michigan the last weekend of July to attend a small women's music festival and test ride this. Prototype trike that may or may not be a wombat or a honey badger. But whatever it is, I am riding it from Grand Rapids to Wayland, Michigan, like now. This trike is a green speed magnum frame with a Bosch motor and two 500 watt batteries with low pressure, wide, knobby tires. All of which is outside my usual wheelhouse, especially the pedal assist. Uh... Obviously, I am using the pedal assist a lot because it's fun. Electric pedal assist gives you a rush, also known as euphoria. It distorts reality, making you think you are stronger, faster, and just generally better than you really are. And it's immediately addictive. It's basically heroin for cyclists. I am having a blast on this thing, though. It is super fun. Uh, it's comfortable. The seat is squeaking. I don't know if the strut has some squeak or what. That up there is the motor. You can hear the squeaking of the seat. I have no idea what's causing that. I don't care. I am on my first patch of gravel. Let's see how these big chunky tires and the electric assist handle the gravel. Well, behind me, you can see the gravel. I just did maybe three miles of that. It's about to end. It's the kind of gravel that I guess would have been manageable on my tour easy. It would not have been very fun on my tie rush, but I could have done it. I mean, there's patches that are fairly smooth. So it would have been tolerable, but on this thing, it is fun. It is so much fun that I am sad that the gravel is over. I planned to ride about 25 miles to the festival, which I did. But once I got there, I realized I did not have to actually get out of this trike. It rolled fine over grass and tree roots and gravel and trails and turned out to be the best available seat. I never had to use my camp chair. I never even had to walk anywhere. I visited friends, joined discussions, and even took in some of the shows, all in my comfy, all-terrain luxury trike. While 
my gal pals spent the weekend getting high on their drugs of choice, I indulged in the electric pedal assist. I figured, it's the weekend, I'm on vacation, and everyone else is doing it, right? Naturally, other women at the festival wanted to try my ride slash comfy chair, and of course, they loved it too. This is fantastic, and I'm buying one of these. In fact, I never want to attend another outdoor festival without something like this. These are the tires that have been totally awesome on dirt and gravel and sand and lumps and tree trunks and all that stuff. Love these tires. What's that tire? Looks like it's... Is this back tire? It just says Schwalbe. Oh, it's a fat. Yeah. Some tires. Look at that. I just rode it six miles on zero, basically. I guess it has five levels if you include zero. The first level is called Eco. Let's go on that a little bit. Oh man, do I feel it. Oh, it feels so good. Uh, I've been referring to this as heroin. Even just the Eco level is so much easier than pedaling with nothing. And I am so glad that I don't have one of these at home because I would be a total addict. Uh, I'll just go up one more level. I don't want to crash in anything. This is called Tour. Oh, it's ridiculous. I'm hardly doing anything. And here I am floating along on gravel. Addictive. I got addicted to it pretty much immediately. I'm going to use it tomorrow when I go back up to Grand Rapids for sure. And uh, then I'm going to go cold turkey when I get home. It is another beautiful day in central Michigan. And I am riding this back to Grand Rapids. I had a great weekend on this trike. Fortunately, I didn't suffer severe withdrawal when I got home. But if I'm ever at an outdoor festival again, I have got to have one of these. All right. That was great. Hi, Nina. Hello. So I think, first of all, we need to thank uh, Marshall Randall, right, uh, at uh, Terratrike slash Greenspeed. How did that tell us about how you you got that what was the process there? well i told you that i wanted to review stuff and you put me in touch with marshall and uh emailed marshall and called marshall and emailed marshall and called marshall and emailed marshall and called marshall and a few months later there i was in central michigan on the trike thank you marshall couldn't have been easier. Uh, Marshall's the easy guy to get a hold of. So, uh, but he always comes through, and that was that was great. So yeah, and and that was that was, if I'm not mistaken, the same trike that was used on uh, uh, that last show we did, where Marshall raced uh, in his on his arrow, his green speed arrow raced the e assisted version. Was that the e assisted version that he was up against? Yes, I'm. I believe it was the same tires that they used for that, but I'm not. Positive. Okay. They, they, you know, have a variety of different tires that can go on that thing. 
All right. Well, it looks like you had a, a great time, obviously, and uh, your real first experience with eAssist, right? Yes, it was. It was just fantastic. I I would like to try other trikes for comparison. I know that the Magnum is designed for really heavy riders, and that makes it like super strong and super robust. So I don't really have experience riding a more delicate or or lighter frame but uh i have to say being able to just ride over everything uh with ease was so much fun it was quite obvious watching that video so uh, i really enjoyed that I, I think all our viewers did as well anina thank you so much we will uh, hopefully have more from you uh next month all right thanks Sounds great. All right, folks, let's move along to the sports report here. We're going to finish up with that. Uh, you want to bring Denny up here? Denny, uh, we had uh, uh, somewhat of a busy month uh, putting some stuff together, I think. And, oh, yeah. Uh, we, we did, uh, a, first of all, a recording, you did, uh, with mm -hmm. uh, our, pa our pal Mike Mowat, uh, who uh, both raced and reported on this uh, – HPRA race uh, in Detroit a week and a half or so ago, right? Yeah, it's, it's a couple of weeks ago now. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's have a look. Uh, this is a great report. Uh, let's let's listen to uh, Mike's report on this. Uh, we're here with uh, Mike Mowat uh, of Detroit Mission and give us a report on the recent HPRA races uh, in the Detroit area. Take it away, there, Mike. Hi, Denny. Thanks for having me on. Uh, this past weekend, August 21st to 22nd, 2021, marked the return to Bent Racing for many racers who uh, had a two-year hiatus due to due to COVID canceling a lot of, a lot of our races. Uh, it was a pretty good turnout. We had a mix of uh, probably half half newcomers, half returning folks. We had uh, farthest competitors came from Iowa and uh, Maryland. The rest came from like Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, Indiana, Wisconsin. So this year saw the typical mix of six different events over over two different days. This was the one hour time trial, which we which kicked off the the weekend on Saturday morning. Uh, due to the high heat, we decided to run everyone all at once on the track. Sometimes we separate out. The, the faster the faster streamlined vehicles from from the unfaired vehicles uh, but being that we only had like 18 to 19 competitors total this year it, it made sense to run everyone at once uh, unfortunately some of our regular folks weren't there who ran the timing system so we had some uh, timing glitches we had to end up timing everyone by hand or kind of relying on the honor system for them to report their their odometer distance after the race uh some some of them used uh, strava and so forth to give us speeds and times uh this is one of the folks who's been on the show in the past uh ron thompson with his g4 home built front wheel drive recumbent him and his wife peggy came from came from maryland to the event they were uh two of our first timers and uh, a lot of folks enjoyed riding their their bikes and seeing them in person. Uh, this is this is uh, Tony Tony Levan from Illinois. He has a home built uh, cor coral liner or made out of mid eye coral plast. He built the frame and the fairing. He rides this on the open road. He's also been uh, typically amongst amongst the faster folks at our our events. Uh, this is Dennis Grout from Iowa on a home built 
front wheel drive uh, mid racer. He kind of fared in the areas behind his shoulders, you can see, and in front of his uh, boom. And he made that like orange nose cone on there. He's always been one of the fastest riders. And this year, well, actually uh, prior to COVID, he came up with this bike and it's still one of the fastest bents uh, out there. Uh, this is uh, Mark Mark Cosma, another first timer on a, a Vendetta. At, I'm sorry, on a cruise bike Vendetta V V20. Uh, he did uh, real well in the events, except for me uh, dropping him at the launch of the hill climb. <laughs> I've been reading that his uh, shoulder is uh, is uh, is uh, hurting him. So, Mark, I do apologize for that. <laughs> um, this is Dan Glatch in a now probably 20-year-old Streamliner. Maybe, I'm sorry, actually more like 30 years old. This was built in South South Africa. Then it made its way to the U.S. Uh, it once went 60 miles per hour out in Colorado. Uh, but this is Dan Glatch who's owned it for a number of years. He decided to ride with the top off because of the high heat. We, were, we had like 90-degree heat. Uh, no, no overcast uh, skies and, uh, and the humidity was uh, bearable, but you know, it was okay once you were on the track riding, but when you were just standing around, it got to be pretty hot. Uh, this is one of the students from Grove city college. They were, it was their first time at the event. This is a, a trike that I believe they built themselves. Uh, they only rode it in the one, one event. They had uh, four students and one one advisor. They've been talking with Mike Eliason. Mike Eliason is, is the co-founder of the Michigan Human Powered Vehicle Group, and he's done a wonderful job keeping in touch with people and trying to get people to come to our event. Our Michigan Human Powered Vehicle Rally event has been going on for at least 36 years. Um, the years we didn't have it at, at Waterford Hills, we had the International Human Powered Vehicle Championships at Michigan International Speedway in 1989. And then in 2009, we had an event that I organized at, at the Ford Motor Company uh, Five Mile Test Oval in Romeo, Michigan. Both of those events saw like the world one-hour record set by a human powered vehicle. And in total, I think we had like 12 world records between those two two events uh but for most years we've been holding it at the waterford hills raceway which is a 1.4 mile car racing track it has nine turns one hill that's about 30 feet tall and it's always been a great place for people to come and this year with the track being repaved in 2019 people really got to see it and enjoy it for the first time and uh, they they allow camping overnight there. They have they have showers on site, so it's really one of one of the folk. It, it, it's really one of the favorite uh, destinations on the HPRA race circuit. The Michigan event was the first event on the calendar. We have the Iowa races coming up September twenty fifth and twenty sixth uh, at the Hawkeye Downs Raceway in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Tell us about what the events were and uh, how they what the outcome was there, Mike. Yeah, on Saturday morning, we had the one-hour time trial. So this is a event where it's supposed to be a non-drafting event, and you ride as many laps as you can of the main 1.4-mile track, which means you go up the hill every lap. So uh, uh, Jonathan Walters of Cincinnati, Ohio, won that event on his stock 
Nocom Low Racer, which is actually Tom 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 Ollinger's old old low racer, which he fixed up for him. And Jonathan rode, I believe, like twenty six point nine miles in one hour, which was pretty close to our our track record for a stock vehicle. Uh, and after that, after lunch, our next event was kind of a unique event. It's it's called the Hill Climb Coast Down. So the competitors line up one by one at the bottom of our 30-foot hill, and you basically race up to the top. And once at the top, you stop pedaling, and you just allow your, your vehicle to coast. And when, when you can coast no, no, no longer, you mark your stopping position with a, with a piece of chalk that, that, that we give you. So typically what happens is the lighter, faster vehicles like the uh, upright bikes or the bare bones uh, uh, recumbents make it up the hill first. So in this case, Rick Toller uh, on his upright time trial bike made it up in like a staggering 18, 18 seconds, which was, again, pretty close to our, our uh, track record. Uh, but at the top, uh, what, what happens is is the more streamlined vehicles obviously coast coast further so dennis grelk and his uh home-built streamliner coasted like far further than anyone else on the track he made it like almost a mile around the track uh the rest of us marked our spots uh actually uh ron ron thompson did pretty well with his g4 i remember being out on the track uh he had like three spots lined up in a row. He made he made three runs. After the hill climb coast down, we do a standing start kilometer event where competitors again line up one by one, and we go around uh, three turns on the track. And so, zero point six two miles is one kilometer. And again, Jonathan Walters was the fastest. Sunday morning is our two hundred foot sprints where we line up at the top of the hill and uh again we go one by one we accelerate down the hill we cruise around a a, uh, far bend and build up more speed and then down the back straightaway we had a 200 foot timing trap set up so uh dennis grok was fastest in a streamliner at like 42 miles per hour john walters did like two runs at like almost exact same speed of like 41.2 miles per hour I came in just behind him with a run of like 40.5 miles per hour, which I was pretty happy about. That was like my lifetime best. Um, And then after that event, uh, we did the 25 lap race, which was uh, without the hill. It was on a shorter loop. It wound up being about, about, about a 10 mile length. Uh, John Walters, again, won that, won that race. He was uh, pretty much the far and away winner (laughs) for the weekend. I, I'd also like to thank all the volunteers that helped with the event over the weekend. Uh, we had Mike Eliason, uh, Gary Hill, Paul Pensella, uh, as well as a lot of the racers that, you know, volunteered their time in between events to help help set up and tear down the uh, race courses, do, do timing, et cetera. So it really takes takes a village to keep one of these events going, and we're pretty fortunate that we have a good group of, of volunteers each year. Now, can you tell me how people can get involved, uh, what, what's coming up, and uh, if you'd like to know more, do you have a website, do you have a Facebook page, uh, where, where can we go? Uh, yeah, in the past, the, in, uh, in the past, Recumbents.com has been our best source of uh, information. There's a calendar, calendar section posting 
Uh, there's also the 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 forums on recumbents.com and and uh, Bent Rider online where we would post that this race is coming up. Uh, there's a HPRA Human Powered Race America Facebook webpage where we also post uh, upcoming events and and race results. And I just highly encourage anyone who wants to try a race, you know, just to think of it as uh, not not a race. It's really a more so like a personal a personal a, achievement type type of uh, endeavor. Terrific! Uh, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, they'll gain some traction again. I know there used to be uh, uh, what nine or ten of these races around the country, and it's down to a few now. But it would be nice to see things pick up again. It's, it looks like a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Mike, for uh, your report there this weekend. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. All right, Mike is awesome, as you guys uh, can see. Uh, I don't want to forget to thank Rob and Cameron Lloyd uh, for the video that you saw uh, in that piece, and Kevin Shaw, who took uh, the pictures, the still pictures uh, that you saw there. And uh, Mike actually came up with those um, those uh, race results himself. So we appreciate Mike Mowat for everything he does for the Laidback Bike Report. Denny, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, finish off the report and and tell us what else is coming up there. Well, uh, Larry Seidman has a report on uh, Seidman. I keep doing that. Larry Seidman has a report on the National Nebraska Senior Games and the Steamboat Triathlon. Take it away there, Larry. All right. Boop. Larry, uh, we, Larry. you are muted, first of all. You need okay. There Thank, we go. Thanks, Danny. And uh, uh, get this added to the stream. Sorry, guys. See, this is what happens when Gary uh, does the directing. So, all right. I think we got it. Go ahead. All right. So the Nebraska Senior Games were August 7th and 8th in Kearney, Nebraska. There were four race, races consisting of a 5K and a 10K time trial. And then there are road races of 20K and 40K in length. Recumbents were welcome at all four of the races, including the road races. Up first was the 5K time trial. They send each racer out one at a time on a set interval. And here's William Sarah lining up, and Tim Cada is already on his way out in the front. Uh, this is a very flat out and back course. Some of the traditional cyclists seemed uh, incredulous after seeing the results after the first time trial, doubting Tim Cata's time of just over seven minutes for the 5K. Up next was the longest of the four races, the 40K road race. If we can bring up the next slide. Yeah, so here's what it looks like at the start. Uh, this was a mass start with the recumbents lining up in the rear. So those incredulous feelings soon changed to belief as Tim Cada went from the back here with the recumbents straight ahead up with the lead group and stayed in front for most of the 40K. Then the next day, Sunday, was the 10, 10K time trial. Next slide. And here is Opal on her way. Next slide. And, and so here's what Opal looks like from the other side uh, with her game face on. The final race was the 20K road race. 
and then we got all the results together. So if you want, I won't belabor all the results there. Next slide. So the following weekend was the Steamboat Triathlon in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. This was a bit more scenic than Nebraska. Two distances were offered the sprint with a 12.4 miles of cycling or the Olympic distance with 24.8 miles. Both distances were on a lumpy country road, roads along the Yampa River offering spectacular views of the mountains. The sprinters had a course which looped around and then headed back to the lake before it actually got into town. While the Olympic distance went all the way into town, turned around, and then we had another climb before making it back to the lake. Next slide of Olivia. Well, there's a scene from the top. Next slide. And that's oh, Olivia Jimenez, I think I say her name. Uh, she has not gone through the process to become a paratriathlete. So she raced and got second place in the women's 65 to 69 age group. Next slide. Uh, this is Kobus Burgers VTX that he used on the sprint distance. He's gone through the process uh, to become a physically challenged triathlete. So he was in the physically challenged sprint category. And he got a six-minute lead over the other physically challenged triathlete who was on an upright bike. And he had the six-minute Excuse me. After the swim, yeah, the other guy was gaining on him on the cycling, but then Kobus got it back on the 5K run. Next slide. And this is my green speed arrow. Uh, I was the only physically challenged entrant in the Olympic distance, but I like to compare myself to the able bodies bodied racers and I had the fourth fastest cycling split uh, out of the eight in my age group. Uh, next slide and here's the results of just the uh, cycling sp split. Next slide and then there's just a picture of Kobus and me at the Lake at the after the awards when we were awarded these drinking glasses. That's it from here. Back to Danny for the remainder of the sports report. Okay. Hey, very good. Thanks, Larry. Uh, first of all, I'd like to give a shout out to Larry Oslin for second place overall at the Mid Atlantic 12 hour race with 249 miles. And finally, I'd like to mention the 2022 Senior Games in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, May 10th through the 22nd. The games will allow recumbent bikes in the 5K and 10K time trials. Additionally, you do not have to qualify in a state competition to enter. Uh, this is a unique opportunity for competition on a national stage. The time trials will be held consecutive days, May 18th and 19th. More information can be found at the nsga.com site 
the National uh, Senior Games Association. And I hope to see you there. I'm kind of planning on going over. That's it for this month. Until next time, stay on the bike and keep moving forward. Back to you, Gary. All right, uh, Denny, thank you so much. Great sports report, guys. Everybody, thank you so much. Okay, let's uh, head off uh, now uh, to our sponsors who make this show possible every month. We're going to start out with TerraCycle. From fairings to headrests, whatever accessory you need, Pat and crew, well, they've got you covered. And trail side trikes. If you find yourself in Florida near the Withlacoochee Trail or in Knoxville, Tennessee, check out Andrew's shop and his amazing crew. And cruise bike. Their patented, race, and record-proven front-wheel drive geometry changes the rules of cycling. Now, comfort doesn't come at the cost of performance. But fair warning, your cheeks may hurt from smiling. And TerraTrike and Greenspeed Trikes. Your vision, whatever it is, TerraTrike has a trike to take you there. And Greenspeed's cutting-edge designs create performance through Aussie Ingenuity. And Layback Cycles, the top USA dealer for TerraTrike and the premier source for CatTrike, Ice, and Greenspeed. We give you the freedom to ride. And Recumbent CycleCon. We've postponed the 2021 Recumbent CycleCon trade show and convention, but please join us on October 8th and 9th 2022 at the Montgomery County Fairgrounds in Dayton, Ohio. For more information, find recumbentcyclecon.com. All right, guys, we are going to finish up with uh, the announcement about next month's laid back bike report. It is going to be October 3rd at 2 p.m. Eastern time, as always. And we are going to be taking to the skies uh, with uh, recumbent pedal power. Um, we're going to have uh, Barney Harl, who has been on the show before, a member of the British Human Power Club. Uh, and he attended a, a competition in the UK there where they had the British Human Powered Flight Club uh, competing with various sorts of recumbent powered flight. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy that. It's a really different kind of take from what we're used to. And we're going to work hard on uh, taking a good close look at that as well. So uh, now, how can you support the Laid Back Bike Report? You've seen our show. Uh, we hope you enjoy what we do. If you'd like to support us, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on uh, YouTube, and uh, click that little white eye up there. Find out more information from the laidbackbikereport.com website. And uh, you can also see our Patreons all here in the background behind me. We love those guys. Uh, Patreon.com is a great way to support what we do with the Laidback Bike Report. Uh, you can look us up, uh, Laidback Bike Report, on the Patreon.com and uh, support us for as little as a dollar a month. We would appreciate that. All right, guys, uh, that is about it. Let's have uh, one last uh, goodbye to our crew and guests that are remaining. 
All right, uh, Larry, great job on the, the directing. Uh, Denny, great sports report. Uh, Hansa at Peter Stoll is not with us any longer, but uh, you guys made contributions to uh, your parts and discussion today. We appreciate it. Uh, Nina, another great video. We appreciate uh, everything that you do for us. And uh, Dr. Craig Cornelius, of course, uh, with that major report. Lots of great uh uh, questions in the chat. Uh, a lot of guys talking about what uh, you were discussing, uh, Craig. So I, I know this is not going to be the end. And we look forward to having you on the show uh, next time around. So, all right, guys, we'll see you all. And uh, that's going to be it then. So uh, I want to thank most of all, all of you viewers uh, for uh, watching every month. So until next month, from all of us here at the Laidback Bike Report, so long, Bent Riders.